0: We're in this uh, series of God's vision for your life, and uh, I gave you five steps at the end of the message last week. I'm going to go over those five steps on and off for the next few weeks. Um, Now, if you think, if you believe that God is random, then you can never trust God, okay? If you believe God doesn't work on a value or principle, never trust Him, That's like some of the people that you have to forgive, you don't trust them because they're random. They'll be kind for a month or two, then they'll yell and scream or hit you or throw something at you or say something horrible about you so you can't trust them, right? There's a pattern of that. Well, God has a pattern of always being good and gracious and kind towards us that even if we break into the sound booth and turn off the music... And the worship leader comes and tells you, I'm going to tell your dad, our response can always be, my dad will protect me. Always. Even if I'm out of line, even if I'm out playing in the street, about ready to get ran over by that truck that just passed by, my God will always protect me. Even in my sin, no, he doesn't protect us always from consequences and all of those things. I want you to get all of that. But our bottom, our our bottom line process or pattern of our Lord is God is good, 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 good. In His punishment, and He's good. In His hate, He is good. In His jealousy, He's good. All the things that I can't be, I can't be good in my hate. I can't be good in my jealousy. I can't be good in my gift giving. All right, he can be good in all those things. he can be good even when he takes something away from you when he allows something, he can be good in those things, and goodness can come out of those areas now, fifteen years ago the, the there 's a ten month period from my birthday where my dad passed away, and then about three months after that, the church I was working had gone from working private Christian school and doing multiple jobs in a church to one single job. Out of a church, about a thousand eight hundred and fifty people left as the pastor got arrested. So, in a ten month period, lots of things happened to me that I could have said, "God is random." God, I don't know what's going on. This is, but knowing that God is a God of pattern, that God's a God of process, a God that we can know. Knowing that then gives me permission to interact with him, to talk with him, and to partner with him to see where he's going. That he's always wants to be good, even in this. Even in this, he wants to be good, and even with getting flooded, there's goodness in that flooding. Somewhere, the flooding itself is not good, but trusting that God is doing something, you know. And we didn't have insurance of, on our house at that time, and so that that caused a, a little bit more trouble and. And um, uh, and then, of course, your dad passing away is never a good thing, but the, I was able to look at it as the process of life that God had given my dad after he first got cancer 17 years earlier that the last year was a good pattern for me to have, and it was a blessing for me to be able to be around my dad for that time and have a season in my life where I could pick him up and carry him around and do things like that. And um, we experienced that with Cresha's dad, too, that in life, and... I think that most of us look for God's patterns of how should I live and be righteous instead of how is God operating and how can I engage in what God's doing. And when we have a pattern of how can I be righteous, God calls it self-righteousness, which he's like, he hates it. It's garbage. It's no good. It gets you nowhere. It's actually super offensive to him. Your self-righteous acts are more offensive than your vulnerable, weak, addictive acts. I hope you know that. Of course, they're not. It's embarrassing to bring those those self-inflicted, addicted acts into the church. But why aren't we embarrassed about self-righteousness in the church? Did you have a question? (laughs) An act of self-righteousness? Okay, an act of self-righteousness would be God... You should bless me because I'm doing what I think is right. I'm not smoking. I'm not drinking. I'm in church. I'm giving. Why aren't you giving back to me the way I want you to give back to me? A self-righteous act can be any right act that you're supposed to be doing, but you do it in the wrong way. All right? So I'm a big believer in don't get drunk, don't be addicted to TV, food, cigarettes, whatever pornography. I'm I'm a big, I'm a big uh, give financial into the spreading of the gospel around a bunch of people that are going to hurt your feelings. That's what you get when you pastor a church. Can't <laughs> ain't you get people all the time that are different than you. You have people walk in and they and it's confusing, but the Lord uses that. So I'm a big believer in those five things. I'm a big believer in Bible study and prayer and fasting and religious study. I'm a big believer in those things. I'm a big believer in accountability. I'm a big believer in counseling. But I can do all of those things and make them self-righteous acts. I can use them to promote myself, to make myself look better, to protect myself from true vulnerability that comes with friendship. You know, you hear all, we used to hear all the time, you just need to be accountable. And then all those guys got caught committing adultery. That church we were at, um, that some of you were at, three or four couples here were at that church. I mean, the guy was heavy accountability. This is what you do. He was an incredible counselor, but you can hide behind those good acts. Now, we know there's bad, wrong religious acts, and then there are acts and functions that we were actually created to do. We were created to be givers, okay? But when we give to signify how important we are or something like that, then it becomes wrong. We're created to be givers. We're created to be in community. We're created to read Scripture. We're created for those things, but they can all become, because of our heart, can be. so. of God is, is most of us believe God is super random. So whenever we go from, you know, we just went over the poverty mentality. Whenever we go from... Poor things to poor things to poor things to poor things we 're just like oh god 's just not paying any attention what he 's doing he 's allowing you to remain poor and to see your poverty so you can get what he 's trying to give to you what he 's trying to give to you so he allows you to stay in that and he 's really always after our heart and so God has is a process oriented god that doesn 't mean I'm, I gave you a couple steps a couple steps of the process out of romans that doesn 't mean that god 's like Uh Uh-oh, I skipped number two. Oh, no, I can't believe I skipped number two and went straight to four and blessed them. But but it it helps us to think about God when we have some patterns with it. Now, when we get stuck on patterns is when we become um, religious, when we become Pharisees, and when we become uh, rule keepers and lawmakers. Um, I I felt like when I was 25 years old, I felt like the Lord say, Stop drinking. Totally stop drinking. I didn't drink a, a drop of anything until I was 40 years old. I just felt like the Lord telling me that. No rhyme, no reason. At that time, nobody cared if I drank as much as I wanted. But the, the steps of my life and the integrity of my life of obedience, we're meant to be pretty simple believers. Even in complicated, complex words saying something to me, and i begin to obey I don't hear God say something to my pastor, my pastor tells me, and then I obey my pastor. Now, if I was 20 years old, that might be right. If I was struggling with an addiction for a season, that might be right. If I'm really bad with my money or my marriage or my parenting or something, that might be right to say, I'm going to, for a season, this is my mentor. But all of our mentors and disciplers are meant to lead us to Christ so that we can say... Like John said when his disciples said, hey, where does Jesus live? John says, go to them. It's always our part to say, look, I, I, you don't have to, you know, go listen for yourself. Clay Nash, who was here uh, end of last year uh, in, in his book on prophetic activation, said there's three ways God prefers not to talk to you. There's three ways God will talk to you, but he doesn't want to. One of them was a fleece. The other was through circumstances. And the third was through a prophetic word. God will talk through those three areas, but he prefers to speak to you about you to you. We don't want to, we don't want to, be, we don't want to be the Israelites to go, Whoa, wait a minute, Moses. We do not make us go up and see God. Everybody was, not us. You go up. And talk to him and then come back and report to us. And we've kept that model even in the New Testament church. Even into right now where we have all these areas of freedom. We've kept that model of somebody else tell me what the Lord is saying. Now we need teachers. We want prophets. We want apostles. We want pastors. We want all of those gifts of the Holy Spirit. But none of them are meant to replace the voice of God. So the simplicity... Don't, don't hear this process and go, oh, I've got to get a process. I've got to do something, okay? So turn to Romans eight twenty nine through 30. I'm going to read out of the message again. Romans eight twenty nine 29 through 30. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So this morning, what I want you to do, I think I want you to think of one area in your life where you want God's vision for your life. One area. One area. It could be my finances. It, what one area, one area, what, what is God's vision? So think of one area and jot it down somewhere. So you don't get so, so you don't, so you don't start listening and then you change it because it gets too hard. <laughs> you know, so think of one area. You want God's vision. You don't want to make something up, but you want to see, you want to have God's sight for your relationship with your wife. You want to have God's sight for how you are, not how they are, but you want to have God's vision for you, God's sight for you. Your ability to be perfect and perfectly married is accomplished through his process, through him doing something in you, regardless if the other person responds or does anything. It's the same with everything that we do. It's us. It's us. So think about that. And maybe as you hear this, you'll get some... Them help so I think we have the can, can we change the the slide up there? I've got some scripture and then um, I had that so last week so go to the next slide. So these these are the these are the five steps that we have here. I'm just going to talk about those as we go and and the first one is um, God's process for vision is God defines vision. God names vision, God provides for vision. God empowers me believe that that is true of eternal life, but not true of my time here on earth. Most of us believe God will complete it. God does it. God empowers me to live beaten up until I die and go to heaven, and then the vision is complete. But there's vision here that we're to have about spreading the gospel, about setting other people free. Yet we hold on to unforgiveness. We hold on to religious belief. We hold on to well. I'm doing everything I'm not supposed to do. Why isn't anybody else doing anything? Why aren't they doing it? Why are they being blasted? And, and um, you know, I wrote a lot on the um, poverty mentality, and and somebody was so like uh, they were crushed. They said, "I have a friend who's just now, you know, a few months sober." And God blesses them over and over again. And she began to cry. And she goes, and it bothers me so much because I've, she has stayed married. She's never been addicted. She's been a giver. She's been in ministry, all of those things. And they I was talking to them and they were telling me, um, and, uh, she goes, I told, I told my friend, I can't believe God gives you so much. And, and she said, my friend was just like, well, God doesn't say I'm supposed to get anything together before I ask him. I'm just supposed to ask him. I'm just supposed to ask him. You're just supposed to say, I want, I want my marriage to be blind. I want my marriage to be, I have some more. And I, I started laughing because I know, I know both of them. I know the, 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 each one a little bit differently. And, um, and it sounds just like them. And I didn't know, I didn't know that that's how, how it worked out for the, the second person. They just asked. They're, they're very simple. There's simplicity that we're supposed to walk and we're supposed to start asking. So when we have his sight for us and how, how, how beloved we are, we, he likes to engage with us even when we ask wrong. And, and most of us don't ask because we might be afraid of asking wrong. But when we ask wrong, it gives an opportunity for our heart to be exposed. And then he says, well, why don't you ask for this instead? This is what I want to give you. And uh, so the first one, so think, think of that one area. So God has a vision. Now, again, if you don't believe that God has a design or vision for you, that he knows how you're made, he knows, he knows the good works he has prepared for you in advance, if you don't believe in that, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to get exhausted saying somebody saying, you should be doing this, and then you should be doing this, and then you should be doing this, and you should be doing this. Instead of waiting, getting some sight, Asking God how he sees you. Asking God what gifts, what design he's made you to be. Asking God what season you're in. And a season is temporary. So some people get in a season of, I'm not doing anything, and it becomes years. And that's really not a season. Years coming into this more ministry, less ministry. Time to be really busy. Time to be really quiet. I I can see myself coming into a time where I need to get educated. A time where I need to like I'm having I'm having children that that's a season we know these things right but if you if you're still in the season when your kid's five as you were when your kid was five months and they're five years or they're fifteen or they're twenty five it's really bad it's really damaging to you it's really damaging to your marriage it's really damaging to your kids um, to stay in those seasons so we find that that God has a season has a vision for you and if you find yourself floundering or exhausted in any area you probably are not pursuing God's vision for your life, okay? I want you to hear that. If you're exhausted, working on something, you probably need to stop and say, God, what is your vision for me in this area? It's not what's your vision for my work. It's what's the vision for me. What, how do you see me being in here? If you always feel bad about yourself yourself, because you don't know you, you can't recognize you, you look in them. somebody says something good about you and you're like, oh, that's not me, that's just the Lord and stuff like that. Or you're like, oh, I don't have any gifts that are worth anything or I don't like my design. Then you can't see God's vision for you and you need to get that vision. Have you noticed this in 2017 that I'm All we hear about is this tragedy here. Then all we hear about is Las Vegas. And then Las Vegas is off the news for like two months. Then there's a little tiny blip over here. But, but then there's the hurricane. There's the, then it's, then it's the second hurricane. Then it's the Puerto Rican hurricane. It's the, the news media keeps telling us, look over here, look over here, look over here, look over here. And that's a strategy that the enemy uses for you. Look over here, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. You read this book, you should do that. You read this book, you should be that way. You read this book, you should be on this fast. You should be reading your Bible this way. You should only read this translation. You should be giving this much. You should be doing that. (laughs) I'm just going to give up. I'm going to quit going to church. And if I go to church, it's got to be really big so nobody will bug me and nobody will know whether I'm there or not. Nobody will ask me to do anything. So don't let the enemy take your vision we're single-minded individuals. We're focused on the Lord, and our focus on the Lord and in intercession and in prayer and Bible study and prophetic acts focuses our natural step here on earth. We focus up there, and it focuses right down there, and it, it fo- actually it comes right through here, and it comes through here, and our 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 eyes are to be set on the ways of the Lord. And I don't mean the ways of the Lord in the church house. I don't mean the ways of the Lord in a Bible study. I mean the ways of the Lord and how you spend your money and how you spend your time and how you use your physical body and how you use your, and they, and they move out that way. You will be pulled in so many directions. And so God has a vision. You are not called to, nor are you responsible for, Passion for everything. Don't be passionate about owning a gun or not owning a gun and and orphans everywhere and widows everywhere and gifts of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic and worship and digging wells in Africa and Haiti. Find a few things, a handful of things, maybe just one thing this year. I'm going to be passionate about blank this year. And at the, this time next year, My calendar, my checkbook, and my words will all show proof that I'm truly passionate about that one thing. It drives me nuts, man, on Facebook and on... Don't don't get me wrong, I love Facebook. uh, But the news and everything is saying you should be super mad about everything or super grieved about everything or super irritated or super happy. And you shouldn't. You're made to be excited and passionate first about you and him, then about you and some close people, then you and some spiritual people, and then you and your neighborhood, and then the rest of the world. What we do is we concentrate on the overflow, and the overflow always comes from him. So, you know, I, <clears throat> I have such a joy when I travel... It's amazing. We have a friend from an old, from the Abundant Life Church that, that, that has known, I've gone on travels for years, I mean, and she was a couple, about a year, year or two ago, she goes, how do you afford to go on all those trips, man? You just like are having so much fun. I said, they're all missions trips. She's like, no, they're not. Because you're not supposed to have fun on a missions trip. You're not supposed to have a relationship. You're not supposed to enjoy it. You're not supposed to you're not supposed to you're supposed to be in labor. Oh, this is so hard. This is oh Scotland's so hard hearted and you're just supposed to rah, it's so difficult. And but there's joy and I have a passion to go. But me going to Scotland, me going to Panama, wherever I get to go, it comes out of being solid and in overflow. In my marriage in my home, in my church, my home church, and it overflows. That's all it is. So I don't have to work up anything when I go somewhere. And so we're passionate, but we're passionate about things we were created to be passionate about. you know And I'm not even talking about don't don't throw your passion over to sports, which be passionate about sports, but choose some practical areas to be passionate about. Don't be all oh, I'm so I'm so pro blah 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 like like you're excited about everything. And really, if you're excited about everything, you're really passionate about nothing. And in Proverbs it says passion it says zeal without wisdom is foolishness. And a lot of that posting that we do a lot of that clicking and liking is a diversion to his vision for us. He has a vision for us. He has a vision for how you're posting on Facebook by the way. He has a vision and a process of how he wants you to bless people via Facebook in your post and what you do and how you respond. He's not blessed when you scroll down for 90 minutes. Like, 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 like. But you're not reading anything spiritual, not engaging anything. You're not messaging anybody saying, I'm praying for you. I saw that. How are you? I'm thinking about you. It's just click, 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 click. It's, it's, an, it's an addiction that draws you away from his passion and his vision. So God has a vision. The second one is God names his vision. I love this. After God, and and what I just read in the message is that after God made that decision of what his children should be like as a vision for you, he did what? He followed it up by calling people by name. And I want to make sure that you hear God by name. And if you don't hear God by name, if you don't hear God speaking to you and you're always fumbling around and you always deal with a dread when somebody says, what's God saying to you, this is the year to get over that. This is the year to say, this is the year I will hear God. Friends. I will get some counseling. I will do something this year, early on this year, that will make me never be able to say God never talks to me or I can't hear God. You've got to, you've got to get His voice in your head. You've got to do that. Um, what's funny, or it's not funny; it's really bad. I guess it's uh, We can listen. If, if I ask somebody, tell me about yourself spiritually. They almost always start with the lack that they have. Well, I was part of this church split, and I did this, and I committed this, and I acted this way, and I used to have this. And, and, but, but then you say, tell me what's awesome about you spiritually. Tell me all about your spiritual gifts. Well, uh, they, they, they just can't. They can say, hey, this is how I'm awful. And they, they feel like there's a little bit of a spiritual energy there. This is how I'm awful. I'm being humble. But we say, how am I awesome? It's like, oh. Uh, they, they, but, but we should be able to identify this is how I'm awesome. This is how I'm awesome. God has given me a name in heaven. When I came into the kingdom, a party started that we think it started when we got saved. And then we then we sin, and God's like, party's called off. Less sin. Stop the party. Put away the cake. Less sin. Less is a sinner. Nope. Start the. We'll start the. Party. He dies. We'll start celebrating. No, there's a party that started when I came to the kingdom, and the Lord began to look at me and to see me as amazing. In fact, most of us start describing our awful dead man, and God's over here going. Why, why are they talking about somebody that's in the grave, that they're decomposed, dead body? That, that's all dead stuff. Like, hey, we're alive in Christ. We're alive with Christ. We're alive because of Christ. And we have that flowing in us. So if you can't get his name for you, and um, the Lord's done some funny things with my name, because my name is Les, or Leslie Charles Herring, so for no, and I'm, I'm the, the, the sixth of a blended family of seven with five boys, four older than me. So I'm the youngest boy. And so uh, about in my teen years. So the two boys that weren't with me were real. Uh, the two boys that were already out of the house. Cause there's a quite a huge gap difference in the blended family. The other two boys are like six, one and six, two. And like. I mean, they're just like, one's like Bruce Lee thin and like, I mean, he's just like, was always like real fit. And, and I'm like this much shorter than them. And I'm super, super white compared to them. They both like have some, some you know, the, the brown hair, the tanability. I have no tanability. You should be sad for me. All right. And uh, so the enemy early on came. That's right. Your parents named you appropriately. You're less. You're less. And it's he, going, aww. But see, the enemy uses what we've experienced to mess with us and agree with our lie. I knew I was shorter. I knew I wasn't as smart as some of the brothers. I knew I wasn't outgoing like them. And what it was, it was all based on a lie of my experiences up till about 13 or 14 years old. And it's taken 30 or 40 years for freedom layer upon layer upon layer of freedom. To go from super shy kid to... Still quite introverted, but not shy at all. And that's all the, Lord, that's all the Lord's doing uh, in my life. So the enemy will mess with us and will we'll say things like, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But why would we repeat something when the Lord's not saying you're a sinner, but I'll like you anyways? I'm always going to remember you as being a sinner. He's like, I'm, I'm, I, like I forget all that. I'm only going to think of you and talk to you as a son and as a daughter. That's like amazing that's brilliant. So when he names his vision, he has a name for you. And if you can't hear son or daughter or child or beloved, there's something going wrong inside of here. There's nothing going wrong with what he's saying, by the way. It's always something going wrong in here. God doesn't go, hey man, hey dude, hey everybody. He's like calling you very specifically by your name. Wanting, so we talked about the Christmas story. We had, it's an interesting how many times Jesus said, with well, the woman, of – well, before the Christmas story, the woman of blood with issue of blood, he says daughter. He says son. Jesus used son and daughter, son of Abraham, daughter of Abraham a lot. And we see that in the Christmas story also, that God loves to call us by name. You know, when I call, if I called out Zeke, which is my son's name, or Victoria, there would be a lot of Zeke and Victoria. But if I'm there and I say son, daughter, that's a different intimacy that goes along. So really, we need to know his name for us. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there, um, and I'll continue on. But I, I want to talk about, and then God naming his vision is, why don't you name 2018 for yourself? All right? Why don't you name 2018 for yourself? God gave me a word. Just I, I usually, like, ask for something for two, for the next year about, about Thanksgiving. And way early on, uh, in about October, the Lord said, this is what I'm going to do in 2018 for you. There's going to be a new beginning in this area for you. And um, why don't you name this year, 2018, the year of the dragon? No, I'm kidding. I mean, we name everything else, right? You go to a work and it has a name. I work at Exxon. I'm going to go to the Valero. I'm going to go to Cisco's. I'm going to go to my neighborhood, and we have a name for our neighborhood. We've named for some people have named for their cars. You all know the names of your favorite sixty hours of 2018 that God has for you. Why don't you put a name to it? And put a name to it so every time you think about 2018, you think this is the year that this is going to start in my life. This is what's going to happen this year. And this would be the year of something. You know, the, when you name it, definition comes to it. When you, when you name it, something begins to happen. You know, those first Saturdays that we started, we, I, I actually put a name to the first Saturdays that we're going to start talking and praying. And we had one about healing. And there's actually a Facebook group. Page, you can find that, um, and it'll be in emails when it comes out. But I put a name of Humble Oil, H U M B L E Oil, for a specific person, a purpose, and it it's actually was funny because it was a little bit embarrassing to name like a meeting of something. But I'm like, I put a name to it so I could remember it and value it, and I could just think about it and have a graphic for it. So quickly this year, every first Saturday, I know where the Lord's taking me and what I'm supposed to be believing towards each month. And then for the for the Tomball area and for the Journey Church. So when you name things, you begin to identify it. If I say Starbucks, everybody in here, even if you don't drink coffee, has an idea. Are you seeing the cup or the dollar signs for a $5.50 cup of coffee? <laughs> yeah, but you're seeing something, right? If I say McDonald's, you're seeing something. Why not, why not take that importance and put that to your year this year? Name your year. Name your year. Determine. Have us. Have his sight. Not not just for like other people, but it comes from us. We're a prophetic people, not for an identity, but from an identity. So from us, something comes. It's not like I prayed for somebody or my marriage is good so I get blessed from it alone. If I'm doing it in Jesus' name, there's an overflow in what happens in my life. There's an overflow in my finances. My time becomes Uh, exaggerated or increased when I give him my time. My finances become exaggerated or increased. My energy becomes exaggerated or increased. My wisdom, uh, exaggerated is probably not the right word, my wisdom becomes increased because I'm giving him and I'm walking in the simple steps of wisdom in my life that I know is pleasing to him, that he's spoken to me, and how I live. All right, let's go ahead and stand. I want to remind you that if you have if you have a, a difficulty when it comes to forgiveness, don't leave here without getting some sort of wisdom from somebody around you confessing, I need help forgiving so-and-so. Be specific. Don't be general. Well, be specific. I need help. Will you help me? And then if you're married, raise your hand if you're married. I'm kidding. I know there's married in here. So if you're married, I want you to be more aggressive and turning for me. I feel sick. Will you lay, lay your hand on him and say, in Jesus name be healed. If that's all you do, that's fine. All right. So I want to challenge you to do that when it comes to unforgiveness, when it comes to physical healing, when it comes to those things of judgment that we have and those things that we just allow that can be taken care of in a moment of prayer. So father God, we just thank you for, for who you are, and God, we thank you for who you see us to be. It's, it's a ridiculous thought that you see us to be your children and, and ridiculous in such a huge, mind-blowing, unbelievable proposition that the gospel is. But we say we receive it. We say we want it. We want more and more and more. Like Stevie spoke uh, in in November at the Dynamic Gratitude Series that we can have have something and be grateful and say, I want more. So this morning, we say we want more. We want more freedom. We want more supernatural things. We want more financial things. We want more uh, of the right good works to do. We want more friendship. We want more more relationship. We want more time for Bible study. We want our houses to be open more this year and our hearts to be open to people. We say we have a lot, but we want more in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Turn to a couple people and say, I want more this year.